The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began a sermon from back in 2020 entitled Abraham's Cities. We saw that Abraham, who built no cities, nonetheless pitched his tent near several different cities throughout his journeying. We saw the city of Ur, which was the city behind him. We began to see the city of Sodom, which was the city beside him. Today, we'll conclude our look at Sodom and we'll see the city that was before him, which is that heavenly Jerusalem not made with hands. Join us today for the conclusion of this message, Abraham's Cities. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. You may sing of the beauty of mountain and
this city that was beside Abraham, this place that Lot chose, was truly an enticing land. Oh, it looked good to the eyes. When Lot lifted up his eyes, he said, man, that's the place for me to be. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, it wasn't too much of an adjustment for me during this shutdown over the coronavirus. We kind of <laughs> social distance out here in the country anyway, and, uh, and it wasn't too awful bad. But I understand uh, the, the problems that some people might have with isolation. And, and, and we're in a society that is so social in nature. And there's, you know, there was a time 100 years ago, say, maybe 50 years ago, where you didn't have all of the opportunities and all the options that you have today. But I'll tell you, beloved, there, you know, one of the one of the amazing things to me about the city of Las Vegas is that it's not the city itself. And our, our good friends out there will tell you there's two different Las Vegases. There's the normal Las Vegas out there where people live and work normally. And then there's the strip. Right. The Las Vegas Strip. And I got to tell you, every time I've gone out there to preach, I'm always, uh, I'm always amazed to, to, to come back from maybe our, our evening time of fellowship and Bible study that we always have. And we'll come down through there. And that Las Vegas Strip is lit up as if it were daytime. I'll never forget, I think I've told you all this, that in 2006, when uh, we took mom and dad out, uh, out west, we went in their RV, and we were pulling our van behind us, and I, I was going to be really smart, and I said, you know, uh, looks like our timing is going to be just right, because we're going to be going down into Las, we're going to stay in Las Vegas for a couple of nights, but, but we had timed it where we wouldn't get into the city of Las Vegas till 10.30 or 11 o'clock. I said, that'll be perfect because rush hour will be over. Nobody will be out at that time. Well, boy, was I wrong. And did I forget about what's going on? Because we had, it took us about two hours to cross from one side of the interstate and go two blocks across the Las Vegas Strip to the place that we were staying. You know why? Because it was lit up like the 4th of July. There were tens of thousands of people there. That was prime time rush hour for them. And the, the enticement there is, is that if you're feeling lonesome, you're feeling alone and you want, if I were by myself and said, I want to have human company, I could go out there at any time of the day or night, uh, preferably midnight or later, <laughs> and I could go out there to that place and the lights would be shining and flashing and there would be people and there would be all kinds of things. That's enticing to the flesh. That's enticing to the, to the natural man. There's a lot of things that are there to draw us. You know, I believe there were some things that were there to draw even Abraham towards Sodom. I believe that there was even a part of Abraham, no doubt. Just know, I, we don't read about this, and I think he was, he was strong about it, but he was a man. And there were probably things about that well-watered plain that enticed him as well. Did you know that Colossians chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us that we can be beguiled with enticing words? Did, did we read elsewhere that we can be overthrown by the philosophies of this world. There are things to entice us. Don't, don't ever get so high and mighty that you think, oh, that stuff doesn't entice me. There's a part of you that entices. 
There's a part of you that's always going to be in there. And the minute you forget about that and you, and you don't keep watch over that, that's the, that's the moment you're going to fall. What does he say? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I heard Elder Armand Rich put it this way one time. He said that the old human nature is like a spring. He said, you can put your foot on that spring and hold it down. And as long as your foot's on there, you're all right. But the minute you take your foot off, it pops right back up where it was. <laughs> you ever thought about that? That's the human nature. There was a city beside him. But we read over in Hebrews about the fact that, that he was a stranger in a strange land. That's how he saw himself. He, I believe that city there, Sodom, is a type of the world that we're in. I believe it's a type of the strange country that we're passing through. And even though we are enticed from time to time, like no doubt Abraham was, what should we do? We should avoid it. We should avoid it. We need to forget about that city behind us, and we need to avoid that city that's beside us. But that wasn't the only city in Abraham's life. There was another city, and we read about that city in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. After he had been called out in verse 8 from the city that was behind him, and he had sojourned avoiding the city that was beside him, in verse 10 he looked for a city that was before him. Look at this. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know the best way to forget about the city behind us and to avoid the city beside us is to pursue the city that's before us. That's the best way. If you're having problems, if you're having troubles in this life, if you're having struggles in this life, you know the thing that will help you the most in this world is to keep your eyes on the prize, as they say. Keep your eyes focused on the city that is before us. For, beloved, that is a heavenly city. It's not a man-made city. The foundations here, it has foundations, but its builder and maker is God. You know, a proper and constant view of heaven is that which will sustain us. It's the best antidote in troublesome times. I know these are troubled times. We got all kinds of things happening. We have disease. We have rioting. We have, we have uh, killing. We have trouble within our, uh, our government. We have trouble within our cities. We have trouble even out in our country. And yet, if, if I, could get, I could go on and on. And if I kept focusing upon that, I would, be, uh, I would ultimately just uh, stay at home and close the doors and not get out of bed. But you know what helps me to keep going? It's pursuing that city that's ahead of me. I've got something better waiting. And that's what, that's what Abraham did. You know, in times of trouble, God granted his servants often a better view of heaven. Isaiah chapter 6, what happened? He, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. In Ezekiel chapter 1, while he was sitting by the, uh, uh, by the side of the river Kibar, it said it came to pass in, the, in this particular time, as he, he said, as I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. 
When you're facing captivity, when you're facing tribulation, you know, the best thing you can get is a vision of God. The heavens were open. And Daniel, Daniel was in the night visions at night. He, and he saw in the night visions one like the son of man who came unto him in the clouds of heaven. And the ancient of days was there. And he saw a vision of heaven. And it says that there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. And this dominion was an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. In his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. What was it that John needed to see on the Isle of Patmos? What was it that John was struggling with? What is it that John was isolated? <laughs> hey, you heard that lately? <laughs> he was separated from his family. He was separated from his friends. Uh, that's been kind of an experience we've had lately, isn't it? We've been separated from very friends by the decree of the government and by, by our fear of this virus. But, but in this time of quarantine, in this time of separation, what was it that brought John comfort? Well, he was there in the, Lord's, in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And we're told that, uh, uh, that he looked around and he, uh, he saw something. He heard something first and then he saw something. And it says in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 1 that he turned to see the voice and he said he saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed and with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle and he goes on to tell him I am the first and the last I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell and of death and he goes on to show him a pure amazing vision of what's going on in heaven right now you know in times of trouble we need to keep seeking after that heavenly city. That's, that's what Abraham was doing. That's how Abraham was able to stay faithful. That's why Abraham could, could say that I've been called away from home. There's a city in my past. I'm trying to forget that because it was nothing but paganism. It was nothing of God whatsoever. It was a place of darkness and no light. And I'm living in a land that all around me are, are problems like at Sodom. All around me are, are, are wickedness. You know what it said about the men of Sodom? That was a beautiful place, but it says, but the men of Sodom were, were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Is that not what we see around us? Are we not tempted to the same extremes? We, don't ever get so high and mighty in your own thinking of yourself that you say, well, I could never do that. Well, I'd never... Engage in that kind of sin. There's no sin in this world that you are not apt to commit given the right circumstances and being away from God for a long enough time. I know there are some sins that afflict me that, 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 that don't afflict others. And there are sins out there that afflict some people that don't really seem to bother me. But listen, I could get there fairly easily. Just a step or two down that road. And next thing you know, it's like a snowball. But Abraham could say, there's a city beside me that's a city of wickedness, but it's a strange land because I'm, I'm a stranger in a strange land. You know why he could do that? Because he was looking for another city. He was seeking a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In verse 16, well, let's just go back to, let's go back to verse 13 as we bring this to a close. In talking of Abraham particularly and other heroes of the faith, uh, 
in, in general. The writer here of Hebrews says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They had seen them afar off. You know, it's easy for me to see what's right in front of me, but if I'm going to see something afar off, I've got to look for it. I've got to engage in some effort to try to figure out what that is coming up. You know, in order to see the things of God, the only heavenly vision we have today is what I'm holding in my hand right now, this Holy Scripture. That's all we've got. If we want to see the things of God that are afar off, we need to be looking for them in here. These are they that testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Just like we've already said, if you'll keep your mind and your, your eyes focused on that which is ahead, you can forget that which is behind. But if you keep your eyes on the thing which is behind you, that city that's behind you, you're out to go back there. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I like to think about that city. I don't know about you, but I get really weary in the day in which we live of seeing all the problems and experiencing some of them myself. I struggle with, with daily troubles, uh, sometimes to persecution to a degree, but mostly problems that I brought on myself. Mostly issues that come from me making bad decisions. You know, so many times the troubles of this world are blamed on God. <laughs> you can't blame God with them. 99% of my troubles are brought on by me. But there's also many that are brought on by the fact that we live in this sin-cursed world that is a strange country to us as children of God. But you know what John saw? In chapter 21 of Revelation, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let me just stop right here and say, let's don't complicate this. Don't get all twisted up about end times prophetic things that you hear out there. You know what John is saying? John's just saying, hey, there's a time coming when all the troubles of this life are going to end. And there's a city that's waiting on us. There's a city that we're going to dwell in forever. And I got to see it. I got a little vision of it. And praise God because he wrote it down, because he was inspired by God to write it down. We get a little vision of it. And this is what we see. First of all, it's like a bride adorned for her husband. A bride on her wedding day dresses in her very best. She, finds the, she doesn't find some uh, cheap castaway dress and go try to put it on. She'll, she'll dress up even if it's not some flowing wedding dress. She's going to dress in her very best. This city is the very best. It's, a, it's adorned like a bride adorned or it's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You know, God doesn't dwell with us physically right now. But there's coming a time when we will dwell with him. 
We will be in his very presence and he will dwell with them for they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I'm sorry to tell you, there are many times during every day when, when I don't act like God is my God. Sometimes I act like I am my God. Sometimes I act like my, my work is my God. Sometimes I act like something else is my God. But I'll tell you, there's coming a day. When God will be my God with no exceptions. Now, I understand he's God regardless, but I just don't always act that way. There'll be a time when I will act that way. I will be completely devoted to him. I won't have to contend with this old man. That city that's behind me will not only be forgotten, it'll be gone. It'll be destroyed. The old man will be no more and the new man will be all there is. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Oh, how I long for that day. Oh, how many tears I have shed, even recently over various things, troubles in my life, troubles in your life, troubles in other lives, problems in this world will cause me, and I know it causes you to shed tears from time to time, but God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. <laughs> Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. You know, I, I, lo I look forward to that. Many of you know we just experienced the death of my father back in January. And I'll tell you, beloved, that's not a, that's not a pleasant experience. Many of you have experienced that. You know what it's like, losing a loved one. Do you know, you know, <laughs> um, even when the, good, when the news is good from the doctor, even when you go to the doctor and your spouse or your child or your husband or your wife or your parent or your whatever the relation is, even when you go, you know, we've had scares before. I'm sure you've experienced that. And you go to the doctor and you get good news. And, and what a relief. Wow, that's great. But even when the news is good, it's only fleeting. Because I'll tell you, beloved, when you're, you know, uh, I've had the known people that have had the, the, the tentative diagnosis of cancer. But when the follow-up came, they said, no cancer. Praise God. But you know what? Those people died of something else <laughs> eventually. You are not going to get out of this world alive unless the Lord comes back first. I love getting good news. Don't get me wrong. I, we pray for that. We're going to continue. You tell, you got a problem in your life, you bring it to us as a church. We'll pray for it and we'll rejoice if the Lord grants that petition. But, but understand me, beloved, there will be a time when the Lord will not grant that petition. There will be a time when that disease or that sickness or maybe just something completely out of the blue will overtake you and you will die. There will be death in this life, but there will not be death in that city that's to come there won't be caskets there won't be graves there won't be a cemetery to keep up brother james it'll be all over with death will be no more because jesus christ put death out of business when he died on the cross and that's why when you stand or sit at the side of a loved one and you watch them pass from suffer and then pass from this life you're going to shed tears. I did, and I will again. But it doesn't have to be tears of hopelessness. You see, if you understand what Jesus has done, 
then you understand that what you see in this life is not the end. In fact, what you're seeking is a city where there is no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The holy city, New Jerusalem. <laughs> oh my, the best way I know to forget about the city that's behind us and to avoid the city that's beside us is to seek the city that's before us, the new Jerusalem, the holy city. And one day, we will find it. You know why? Not because we're smart, not because God gave us some kind of roadmap to figure out, but because the Lord Jesus Christ paid the debt for every single one of his children. The sin debt has been canceled. The sin debt has been paid for. And because of that, you know, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That's that city he's talking about here. There's a place with many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not lying to you, he's saying. I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't say, he's not going up there to remodel heaven. He's not going up there to say, oh, brother buddy's got one today, but oops, he jumped out, so he no longer has one. I'm going to give it to somebody else, you know. He's not up there doing that. He's not remodeling heaven. He's going by way of the cross. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, what a day that will be. No more troubles, no more sorrows. The day when the city we're seeking here becomes more than just a pursuit out there, that vision of that heavenly city ever before our eyes. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.